Hello. Welcome to Twins, Twins Tonight. Tonight. Our, Our names, names are... <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, everyone, we're just going to start the podcast. We tried to do this in unison thing. <laughs> We've been actually trying to perfect this in unison thing for, for like... now two minutes and 19 seconds. This has been an ongoing recording that we have been trying to say things in unison, but every time Maria gets to her, her name, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, wait, but this is actually super relevant because typically unprovoked and not necessarily planned Plan. or whatever we are. we are it's super easy for us to talk in unison and yes. finish other sentences and then so. oftentimes we'll laugh we laugh a lot we like to laugh a lot but um welcome to twins tonight welcome guys to twins tonight wow what an intro well so we want to welcome you to twins tonight and explain why we did such a crazy intro why maria uh, because we're weird well because this episode is about telepathy, telepathy. Woo! is it real is, is it real? Is it a are, secret language? Are we superhuman? Are we like just on the same wavelength? Are we just so similar? Is it just how life works? I don't know. I don't know. But this episode is really special because, I mean, maybe not even that special, but I think telepathy is something that people ask us a lot. Like people are like, can you read Maria's mind? Or do you know when she's in pain? Or, But honestly, whenever I get that question, I think when Liz gets that question, I, I don't have a confident answer because, okay, honestly, telepathy, I've, I've researched into it. It's not scientifically proven. So I was going to say that right now, the whole concept of telepathy, connections, poo, 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 like I send you signal, Liz. It's Ooh, not, I signal. it'd be so cool if, if I could explain it being like neural synapse or whatever thing happens right, in your body. Like I would have, I honestly look, look, tried looking into like maybe a neural reason or not even neural, some sort of biological reason. There's really nothing that has any proof that telepathy is a real thing but we're here to say that this episode is completely based on our own perception telepathy and what we're just going to play with this episode's called telepathy but really we're going to talk about things that aren't necessarily by by definition. definition telepathy because by definition telepathy is so not conclusive and so almost untouchable fictional it's kind of fictional but me and Liz in talking about like what telepathy means to us we kind of thought of our own definition of it and Liz you have a pretty good like perception of what you think telepathy means to us right and when we were talking about telepathy we were trying to comb it out and how I perceive it is this almost this sensory experience and also this connection that we have with each other and it's almost like when one of us sends a signal through emotional response you can almost see it in our eyes Mm -hmm. telepathy is that signal that we pass from each other and that can come out as verbal such as finishing each other's sentences or can come as non-verbal like empathy yeah empathy or even a certain action that's provoked just by someone the signal that we get i remember thinking that I really see telepathy as an extension of empathy because mm-hmm. Maria and I are very empathetic people. Mm-hmm. We we sense, we feel, we're emotional, we and, connect with people. And we like absorb that emotion for ourselves. For, exactly, and from each other. And before we even go into telepathy, go into the topic of what we think telepathy is and how we manifest telepathy in our twin verse mm-hmm. thing we got going on, maybe we could talk a little bit about empathy. Mm-hmm. and. Empathy, I think, is an amazing trait that a lot of people possess, but I think it's a trait that Maria and I 
have because maybe primarily we're because we're twins maybe not primarily but it's uh-huh. heightened because we're twins and i think it's a lot to do because of how close we are and we've been close since the beginning i almost kind of see empathy as like its own feed forward loop we start off pretty close but because of us being physically maybe close and sharing a bubble we started feeling what the other person was feeling and because we empathize with that individual maybe at a young age we kept empathizing I don't know if that makes sense, no, but it I, just always kind of fed forward to to like the next life event. And, and we, I think we've only with time become just more empathetic people. And I think it's because of the care we have for one another growing up. And we still do, obviously. Right. And I like they brought up as a bubble because even when we separate, we're still in each other's spaces. We're still in that bubble. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, osmosis. Is osmosis just with water or can osmosis happen with air in our bubbles? I mean, it's really a water thing, but there's there's water. Give everywhere. it to me. Okay. Well, yeah. basically, I think our bubbles just are always together, and mm-hmm. I'm not even together. Even when we're apart, we're always connected. And Maria and I just have been so empathetic towards each other, and that's extended to being empathetic towards people, to the planet, to mm-hmm. animals, to bugs. I literally cannot kill a bug. It's true. I save them. I spend maybe 30 minutes trying to save them. Yeah, Liz has like fought the fought, like the really good fights. And also I remember like growing up when I would eat food and let's say like I didn't <laughs> want to finish the food, I would feel gutted throwing away the rest of my peas. Because- and and before you say why it, it wasn't necessarily because of the whole, like, Soviet Russia communism. Like, you must finish your food because it's given to you. But yeah. Maria's reason for not wanting to throw away food was a little different. Right. Kind of uncommon. Well, yeah, I just didn't want to separate the pea family in my stomach from the pea family that's about to go to the trash. Yes. If you get what I mean. I, like, it It was true. It hurt me. Even, like, stuffed animals. Like, if I have stuffed animals in my bed, I had to equally hug them. And I'm not sure if this is something that a lot of children felt at the same time. They just felt guilty doing anything unfair to anyone. Right. Even if it was inanimate. Like a pea. You know what I mean? Or an apple. I felt like I had to finish my food. Not because it was maybe healthy. Not because it was wasteless. The right thing to do. It was literally because of emotion that I tied to everything growing up. And I thought that was such a weird thing that I did. And I think Liz did that too. I mean, we do. Didn't you do that too? Yes. No, no. We app like we hate so like I hated throwing like or ugh. I couldn't have a bite of cereal with only one Cheerio because I'm like two Cheerios must enter my stomach together. As yeah, pairs. and it's and, so weird. And it's funny because I remember like um I had a friend growing up that had to eat her M and M's in pairs, but her reasoning was just because of like she really likes things in pairs. For me. Maybe, like, they gotta be in pairs. They have to be in pairs. They have to be together with their family. It's weird, guys. And it's just funny <laughs> to reflect on this because I've always thought it was a weird quirk that I had Liz had. But maybe it has to do with just the fact that we were emotional growing up and we really cared about each other. We literally extended it to every Everything, other thing yeah. in life. To inanimate objects. Like, L- literally, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah, odd. I mean... I mean, that definitely was something we experienced as children. We definitely do not feel that way anymore when we eat corn or peas or whatever. But I do think that our empathy is something that we've continued to grow with. And it's mm-hmm. become now like our larger strength. Yeah. It is. It can sometimes be a weakness mm-hmm. just because you want to be critical and strategic when you apply empathy, specifically in like 
professional settings or in sensitive settings, you just, you know, it's important to be sensitive and knowing when and where you should extend your emotions for others. Yeah. And we're just such empathetic people that sometimes we extend too much emotion. Right. We connect too much with people. And I, I don't want to say too much because it almost implies that too much where we kind of more than welcomed, like we feel too much of what people feel too much too and saying too much, too much, but essentially I think our empathy has just, it's just large. It's, it's present. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we're, we're, we're doing better with working to make it a positive experience because empathy can quickly mm-hmm. turn into a negative experience. For sure. Especially when it relates to taking things a little bit too personally or uh, internalizing an, a situation too much. Like I remember when I first started working like in a healthcare setting, specifically in an emergency department, I really struggled in the beginning just because I, I don't know, like so many things made me sad. I internalized so much. I empathize with so many individuals and it's such an incredible strength to empathize with individuals so that you connect with them. But it's also to be, it's really important to be aware of when you should remove yourself from excess empathy. Right. And, um, I do want to shout out Frank here real quick because he gave me a book called The Four Agreements. Mm-hmm. And it is maybe my favorite book because it has taught me the most and it's taught me really important lessons. But lesson number two, I think, don't quote me on it, but was don't take things, don't take things personally or try not to take things personally. And I, when I was reading that chapter, it didn't have much to do with empathy. It has more to do when external events manipulate your environment and you're going to absorb it and you're going to take in all the negative emotion Mm -hmm. and that's going to ruin your mood. You want to try to limit that as much as possible. You don't want to take things too personally, especially if someone does something, you don't want to think of an attack to you. Maybe that person's just having a bad day, but I'm turning this also on empathy because I think we're so quick to observe, absorb what goes on around us. But I think with us applying this tactic to be less, or to take things less personally, we can still be empathetic, kind of balance sympathy and empathy mm-hmm. and almost create like a, a filter in ourselves where we don't think we don't take things personally. Mm-hmm. And we have almost a reservoir in our heart for things that we do take personally and what we don't take personally and what we shouldn't take personally should be things that we, that don't impact our lives. And we could just be there for people and have that empathy and be in that don't take things personalized part of your heart. Right. That was weird. But I just, when you, what you were saying, basically, it made me think about the four agreements and chapter two, I believe about don't not taking things personally. Mm-hmm. It's just huge thing. I'm working on Maria. No, I'm always working on not it's taking really, things personally. Yeah. It's a thing we're both working on. I'm glad that you are. And I'm glad that Frank gave that book, which is our amazing Brother, 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 brother in law. He's an in law, but we don't like calling him in law because, because I don't like to hear it either. Yeah, he's our brother. Like he is, we love him, but he's not our biological brother because Anna's our biological sister, and that would be weird. I mean, I mean, obviously, 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 he, he is married. So he's married to, to our sister. Anyway, he's our awesome. brother Frank. So we brought all this mumbo jumbo good stuff about empathy because. We really wanted to connect it to our own definition of what we sort of perceive as our own telepathy. For the most part, we really see us as being on one wavelength, as really connecting. Mm -hmm. And we really think it has to do with our empathetic nature. So we kind of brought in that whole 
empathy story and our perception on empathy because I really believe it ties into why we are seen as two individuals on the same exact wavelength. It's actually um, really cute. And I think that's how a lot of our telepathy kind of manifests is just by us feeling like we're on this mm-hmm. wavelength. I'm trying to think of a better word than just wavelength. I, but think, just this- I think wavelength works. It's because I think there's not really a way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, well, there was a time in high school, I remember. Um, I mean, this is kind of a crazy story. I know it, it's kind of a bad memory for Maria, for you, Maria, but mm-hmm. I think it's important to know about our telepathy and our empathy and how it's kind of intertwined and it's woven to each other. And how it's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Yeah, like supernaturally kind of cool. Um, so essentially, um, during our senior year of high school, Maria and I um, would drive to school together every single day in a car that we shared. Of course we shared twins. Um, but there was a day I woke up and I was sick and I could not go to school. And this was going to be the first day that Maria would drive to school alone without me. Mm-hmm. You'd be the only one in the car. Mm-hmm. And I remember you leaving that morning and I went back to sleep or I was sleeping while you're getting ready for work, beca- not for work, but while you're getting ready for school because I was sick. And at, I don't remember the time, but I remember I got up from bed at like 8 a.m., 7.50, the, the time that you would normally get to school. I woke up and I was anxious and I felt extremely uneasy. I wanted to find out where you were. I wanted to make sure that you got to school safe, all the things. And I remember trying to reach you and you wouldn't text me back. And then I couldn't find dad either. Dad wasn't home. And I remember I called dad and dad said that he was leaving to pick you up because you got in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And it just was like terrifying. I mean, I woke up scared and anxious. And those are the feelings you were feeling when you were in the car accident. And a lot of worser feelings, but yes. Uh-huh. So yeah, the extent of the feelings I had from you, a lot more subdued. But I woke up with this extremely like, anxious pit in my stomach and like I was feeling upset and scared and that's not something I would that's not that's not how I wake up in the morning usually I wake up in a decent mood and it wasn't a good mood and the fact that you had gone in a car crash and it was your first and only Mm. car accident and it was the only Mm. time you had ever driven without me right and actually okay so I've I've had two points I want to bring up when were you saying this because it makes me think of two things one I think I remember coming home that day literally broken i i mean you know i was physically okay guys i want to say that but i emotionally felt broken and i remember thinking this is the worst day of my life i i literally was like how i i mean we've all had those days where it just seems like the absolute worst i remember like crying in my bed being so upset but i remember liz being really comforting the whole time and, and i and i just remember seeing liz for the first time and, and like she knew what i was feeling like it was crazy i think because, we both cried oh my god no you were crying with me yeah and it was and it was crazy guys because that was a share. That was a car that we shared, and I totaled it. But Liz was never mad at me, and I think that's crazy. And I think it has to do with the fact that she empathized with me so much that she couldn't really be mad, even though the uh, mechanism in which the accident happened was not entirely not my fault at all. I absolutely had fault in it, but Elizabeth never really antagonizing for it which i really appreciated it and i think it has to do with the fact that she was just so broken with me and yeah. while I, I i that's like the one thing about 
Um, Liz, you being so empathetic, that's tough. Like I think I mentioned in an earlier episode that we mentioned, I think in our relationship episode about how sometimes we don't share things that might upset the other because we don't want the person to be so affected by it. Empathy. Right. So, but so it, it obviously is not pleasant that you are upset with me, but in a way it was that you were there for me. Yeah. Like, it's a weird thing, but I think like the fact that you felt this sort of anxiety and sadness that day mm-hmm. you really like connected with me in that moment um and you made me feel better during the like the emotional recovery yeah. during it which is crazy but my second point too is that that sounds quite freaky like honestly the fact that you had a feeling that i got in trouble probably around the same time i actually did get in trouble i'm pretty sure like it was i, I remember i was talking or- about it afterwards and you were like whoa that's when i woke up and i was like oh my god like yes i think it's really weird and while I think there are things in the world we can't explain and maybe it was a weird gut reaction, maybe it was a connection. I also think that maybe woke up anxious because you were truly anxious. It was the first time that I basically drove in a car alone. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It was pretty early on when we, when we started driving with our license. So I also think that you feeling anxious and nervous is not a freaking bizarre thing. Because I do think it was a it was a first. It's it, it was like when you go to college for the first time, you're naturally going to feel nervous, or, right? Or you had an interview. Like I naturally felt nervous for you. So I think in a in a way, I mean, this is I mean, driving a car. We were very able to drive a car. You shouldn't yeah. have felt very nervous. But I think, well, I think the telepathic the telepathic moment makes somewhat sense. Yes, I mean, I, yeah, definitely this telepathic moment that we had um, that early morning in high school wasn't supernatural. You're right. It was probably a product of this anxiety of you driving the car without me. Like, because you don't love driving. Oh, no, I really hate you it. Didn't I was even, a less confident You driver. didn't even like driving in high school. We would both take turns driving, but I think I drove more because I enjoy driving. I More than you, definitely. So, yeah, I think it, the waking up thing is probably a product from both empathy and anxiety and it could be my own anxiety. and mm-hmm. But it was exacerbated right. um, with your accident. So crazy. And we just connect empathy so much to telepathy because we really do consider telepathy to be our almost emotional language. And that's what empathy is. It, it's this hidden emotional communication seeking comfort. Exactly. That's what empathy is to me. Liz, I love that definition. Like, I love how you said it. And I agree. That's why your whole story of how we like connected in that day, I definitely validated it as being our personal interpretation of telepathy, even though it might not be the scientific fiction definition of telepathy. Right. It, but it's our interpretation, which is why we bring in empathy in all of it, because truly we connect, we're on the same wavelength because of our close bond. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a I wouldn't thing. ever take it back. Um, and I think that our relationship has taught us to be independent and empathetic individuals. And we have extended that to a passion for life. Um, yeah, and a passion for a lot of other things. And, and people yeah, passion on the planet, for people on the planet. I mean, go Mother Earth. Let's protect you, girl. But now let's move on and talk about how our telepathy or as we said earlier, our similar wavelength, our empathy, blah, 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 how that manifests into our life and particular roles we had in life. Mm-hmm. There's some funny situations in life. Like for one, Liz and I were awesome debate partners. We would say that. And I, some, yeah, I many think, agree. I think for the most part, we were great debate partners, not 
not, I'm not trying to say that we were good at debate. I think we were all right at debate, but we were so effective but as our partners. Partnership was so good. Specifically, we did public forum debate, and there was a section in the debate that was about crossfire. Oh, not about it is it crossfire. Is, it's crossfire. And I forget there was a there was a part where like I only crossfired with the individual, but there's a point where we had joint crossfire. Grand crossfire. Grand crossfire. Or final fire. Forget. Crossfire. But there was yeah. a, there was a last crossfire where you basically throw out questions. And I Liz and I really always dominated in this like grand double whatever crossfire uh-huh. because I would bring up a question. They might have a response. Elizabeth would always add evidence to the question I already formulated. Like we worked at super human speed with our thoughts because and, yeah. she, Liz knew where my thoughts were about to go. So you would accompany. It was, it was weird. Like I remember some crossfires, I would just mentally exit from them and think, oh my God. Gosh, that was cool. Like, I know. I was like, how did we? How we, did we, we do would, that? Like, check back in afterwards, and we're like, what did we do? But I, I do have to say, it is funny because not only do we think alike as partners, because effective day partners work together and they support each other with evidence, but we look the same and we have similar voices. So having two people attacking a team that that are so together. And you don't know who to look at because it almost looks the same. The only thing that differentiated us was the length of our hair. Physically. 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 For sure. Physically. Uh, Now, I feel like a lot more differentiates us from our hair because we have different glasses and hairs and even style now. But (laughs) high school debate, we were intimidating. I mean, very intimidating. It's really – I I think it's so funny. Like, I think back to when I still – and even, like, in – we were in a speech and debate and we did other events other than debate in high school where we were like, just had awesome partnerships. While I also think that in some of our partnerships, there were drawbacks because sometimes we, we, we thought so similarly. Would you have a story for this? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I thought you brought this up for a reason. Yes. Keep going. I'll bring it up. No, I guess what I'm trying to say is while I think we make good tea, I think we, I know what you're we, talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, oh goodness. Like we do super well in some situations when you need to think critically and together. Yeah, but let's say one of us in, is in crisis, the other one is probably in crisis. Yes, okay, so the story I want to bring up is, what do you think it is, Maria? <sighs> kayaking? Yeah. Oh God. Okay, so. Um, ocean kayaking, ocean. sea kayaking. Was it kayaking? Is that the name of what we did? It's, it was called okay, kayaking. Basically, kayaking. We, I'm um, very fortunately, 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 what, what is word that? is that? When we so fortunately studied abroad after our first year of college, we went together on a study abroad trip. Christine, I know you're listening, so I, I hope you remember this day and how bad it was, but if you don't, I'm about to tell you and everyone else. We are with the instructor and he instructs that we all get into teams of two. Maria and I are kind of flustered because we're always like, you're my automatic partner, but, but we're novices at this. We, we don't know how to kayak. We have never been in a boat alone. We've never you, had to navigate unfamiliar waters. I remember we both like looked at each other and we both just connected and we were like, like we should not be yeah, partners. Horrible idea. Horrible idea, but by the time we connected, looked, and sent that signal, everyone was partnered up. <laughs> so we were like stuck with each other. We were stuck with each other, which is so funny because we're, I guess, biologically automatic partners. Automatic partners and automatically stuck with each other. This is a situation where we felt extremely insecure being stuck as partners. 
But I mean, I said something about it, but everyone was like, "You'll be fine." No, everyone was like, "Y'all are not that bad. It'll You'll be, be fine. fine." And I'm sitting there sweating and realizing that Marie and I are both clumsy when we're when one of us is stressed, the other one's stressed. I mean, our empathy extends to crisis, <laughs> men's crisis, immense crisis. So. At the beginning, we were kayaking just fine, except for the fact that we were in the back of the group the whole time. The whole time, yeah. The whole time. There were several tens of feet between us and the closest, the next kayak. And it was funny because that distance kept growing. Yeah, yeah. so at first it was fine. It was exponential. Yeah, it was an exponential distance gap. And of course, people are always going forward. No one's turning around and noticing. We're like disengaging from the group. Like, we got... There was a point where we became so far and there was like a corner to turn that they turned. And I was like, Maria, we can't see them. Oh my God. We were like, we can't see them. They can't see us. We have no idea where we're going. And then I swear like that next second, Maria and I get stuck. Yeah, we like crash against this rock. That's so high up. I'm actually very confused how that happened. Where did the rock come from? Because we're in the middle of the ocean. (laughs) Oh no! Or is it a sea? I don't know. But anyway, sea. Okay, ocean sea. What's the difference? I, I, well, there is definitely a difference. I, I, I don't know. But yeah. uh, okay, so basically, I'm not gonna say long story short because I don't want to cut the story short. But essentially, we get so stuck we cannot move. We do a lot of like pushing with the boat from the rock with our oar. oar. Yeah, <laughs> that's the word. The oar. And we can't get we can't get out, and we're like hyperventilating because we're in the middle of the sea. We're not in a water park where you can get a lifeguard. But so the crisis kind of just compound at that but moment. No, but do you remember? I didn't know I stepped in a sea urchin. I was in pain, but I didn't know what it was. Right, right, I sit right. back in the boat and I put my foot up and there's like these black spikes. Like yeah, the sea urchin spikes. All over your heel. Yeah. And I remember like taking some out and I thought like I took them out, but my foot continued to hurt. And essentially, yeah, that was a painful few days. I even went to the French urgent care. And the doctor's office was the same as a patient room, and there was a dog. So it was like her house in one room. I wish I went. And yeah, I wish she went. I think you'd be really interested in like medicine there. But it was such a weird experience because I showed her my heel, and I and I wanted her to take out the sea urchin, and she did. She couldn't do anything for me. She got like tweezers. Like she did exactly what I tried doing. And Christine, what you tried helping me do with Brianna and everyone that tried to help me because I was struggling. Um, it was just a natural progression of like an like an injury. I got over it. I'm fine you now. Healed, yeah. And then we eventually went on our next trip that next weekend, and I walked just fine. But it was excruciating walking the lab those next few days because I was just walking my tippy toes. Okay. Back to the story. Back to the so kayak. she's on a sea urchin now, not on her foot, yeah. not noticing the scariness because our sympathetic nervous system is already fired up from being lost. That another yeah. jab at the foot literally didn't, did not affect it her. It didn't mean anything. Like we were panicking anyway. Yeah, I was like, whatever. But because of that, I was able to push her boat out and we were frantically like or- pedaling, oaring, whatever, and like different directions because we're anxious because we've really lost the group. And at that point, I think it's funny because it's not that difficult to kayak. It's like a rhythmic motion, but we weren't doing it right. We were so panicked that it, it was just so it was turned around. But eventually, didn't the group? Yes, they, they, they noticed we were missing. <laughs> <laughs> they noticed 
noticed they were, we were missing, so they went backwards. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, but what's funny, though, is I remember we were always considered the clumsy group, like the clumsy kayak. So I mean, Me you, yeah. Yeah, you, you and I were, like, definitely. Because I remember we, people noticed we would get behind. But I think at one point, especially when there was, like, the point of no return or when we turned a corner, it was kind of crazy, but we were eventually found. Yeah, and I, don't, I found. think we eventually kayak. We definitely I think, did. I think when we were found, we got less panicked, which led to better motor performance. And I think we were able yes. to actually kayak. There we go. I think that's actually she gets a thing. It. Yes, Miss Neuroscience. I agree. That's definitely what happened. And I think that we had like the support of some of the people in our group. They were oaring, whatever, kayaking next to us. And then we eventually all stopped and swam at the same time. It ended up going completely fine. And we still persevered as partners to the very end. So and it was so up on much each fun. And it makes for a hilarious story. Exactly. So that when we tell you that our partnership isn't always 100% effective, you know why. It's because sometimes we think too similarly. And, and our empathy extends to negative consequences and we are panicking together oh what what a story it's a great story and i also gotta say that um so that was an interesting partnership example but i think also our telepathy wavelength ish um manifests, to manifests when we play different board games mm. like um for those of you that have heard of the board game code names although i would say what you're about to say wasn't true last Last weekend. Okay, true. We didn't play that last on week. it. But historically, if you really come up with an average, we do very well with code, code names. names. It's, I mean, it's essentially a game where you have to have your partner understand the message you're trying to give, give. about the identity of the cards they're assigned. It's hard to explain, but essentially you always want good clues and you want your partner to be receptive of your clues. And I remember, I can't. I'm, is there a certain clue you can think of that was no, awesome? but I can think of... Another game example. Like I'll what? bring no, I'll bring up after we finish code names. But I mean I mean no, I'll bring it up now because Oh wait no, no now I remember. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry Liz. But we were playing a Pictionary version of code names. Yes. And Liz just said like mom three. And and I knew exactly what she meant by mom because I was like looking for an owl and like other things. Like there was something about mom. Like our mom. Yeah, our mom. And I think then again, if you played with your siblings, you might also play pretty well with code names. But Liz and I have so many shared experiences. So, so we're great partners in games like that and maybe so again this is not maybe a super telepathy thing but it has to do with no. how close we are well, do you remember i'm giving you an exact example mm -hmm. when we played heads up with elise frank and anna okay recently recently and there was the food category and oh, yeah. i had the headband and you started screaming like you were like your favorite fruit and i was like Pear? Oh, no, you not. Pears are not. Guys, pears are not my favorite. No, no, fruit, no. I said your favorite fruit, fruit juice. <laughs> guys, pear juice does not exist in the U.S. I like pear juice because when we were in France for that study abroad summer, that's so notorious for that kayaking accident. Um, I used to get every single day at the deli, um, jus de pois, pear juice. So I have not had it in four years, but or three years. But in this round, Maria said. Your favorite fruit juice. And immediately I said, pear. And then you said, your favorite food that's not rice, not spaghetti, risotto. Like, or yeah. you, you just, you came up with so many clues. I remember Elise and Frank looking at us and saying, what the heck? <laughs> like, so yeah, 
we have a lot of shared experiences that we use them to our advantage. Oh For my gosh. sure. Yes, it makes games really fun and we, you know, get those enemies real quick. And, and sometimes we'll purposefully separate each other because we think it's an unfair, unfair advantage. Yeah. But especially when we played code names with Anna and Frank and us, I feel like it's fair game because they have their own connection going. But I think for the most part, yeah, we only use that connection to our advantage when yes yeah, when, we, when we think we can sometimes we'll be selfish and be each other's partners because we perform well and we get each other yeah <laughs> and 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 something that i can think of about our wavelength kind of connecting and some manifestations of it is a very like general life events or just general things that happen in the daily where there might be something said by a person that's not one of us i'll react and i know liz will react and we'll like look at each other and we get it it's always like interesting how we connect across the room and really understand what that other person might be feeling if mm-hmm. something, let's say, was said. And I kind of knew that it would not only affect me, but it would affect you. Right. And I even feel like if something was said, that would maybe offend me, but not necessarily offend you. You would still look at me because you know what offended me and try mm-hmm. to give me the visual eye contact comfort, almost like that puppy dog eye thing that you do when you connect with someone maria will do that sometimes if she knows that something might have bothered me and i'll do the same thing Mm -hmm. and then and we'll do that obviously too in like funny situations or just 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 situations where we laugh and we almost wish that we could talk about it right now but we're not necessarily like in a setting where we can so we'll just look at each other instead yeah I'm, i'm sure maybe some of you guys can relate to that with friends or siblings where you might be like oh my god they said that <laughs> eyes can say a thousand words sometimes and i think we use that a lot whenever mm-hmm. we're not together a hundred percent yeah I, d- I definitely agree with that and i think that it ties in with our empathy i, I keep saying that but what we're describing as our telepathic tendencies is not the definition of telepathy there's probably so many other ways that telepathy could be displayed for some twins, but this is how we display it. And in this podcast, guys, you might have n- noticed that is I might be saying something and then Liz will just, just finishes the thought. It's funny because we do. I it mean, comes up a lot. It like, does. We don't mean to do it. I mean, like the reason why this happens is because Marie and I have these shared experiences and we have a lot of coinciding opinions and thoughts or for example when we're telling a story if maria's telling anna about something funny that happened to the two of us i'll sometimes pick up exactly from a word that maria just left off and continue the story and that's because we lived it together so we're oftentimes finishing each other's sentences on this podcast because we have these shared experiences that we're talking about Mm -hmm. or we're finishing each other's sentences because we just think alike for sure it's not even the fact that we just solely shared the experience because a lot of people might share an experience they might not deliver a story the same but you and i are very similar storytellers mm-hmm. slash you know how i storytell for example so that's also why you might like finish my sentence it's not just because you lived it but it's because like you know me yeah. and, and and you also deliver very well yeah stories you're a good storyteller oh, you are too Emily. but i do think that to finish other sentences is something we did a lot when we were younger but i think we were doing it even more now because we i guess with more years of life together we are gaining and understanding our like wavelength more and more and more to the point where sometimes we'll just get involved in uncontrollable uncontrollable laughter the beginning of the episode was cut from a lot of takes of us stopping in the middle of this unison speech 
and cracking up. And it it is loud content, people. If you listen to the podcast at this volume, and we talk kind of loud, so I'm imagining you're not listening to this podcast at full volume or high volume, but the laughing is even louder. It's very joyous and adorable, and you probably mm-hmm. caught some of it at the beginning, but when one of us are laughing, when one of us is laughing, it's like grammar. I think about that one a lot. I thought about I'm it. Sorry. When one of us is laughing, the other one will start laughing because we just know it's got to be funny. And we got to know that we'd probably be tickled by the same humor as the other. Exactly. And I'm not sure if other like normal humans experience this, but we're they're also normal humans. I mean, we are quite normal, but I mean, what I, what I'm, what I guess what I'm trying to say People is People that, that aren't twins. Sometimes I can specifically remember instances where this involved Liz. She would just get, she would almost drown in laughter. Yeah. She could not stop I would laughing. go silent. Like, she would go. Like, there's a like, where you're laughing so much, you can't you, breathe. You can't breathe. And I remember, like, Elizabeth, we, I just remember one specific situation where Elizabeth just collapsed on the kitchen floor and she couldn't stop laughing. And then I remember, like, then I started laughing with her. And then we both couldn't stop laughing. And our parents were like, what no, the heck is going on? Our grandma was there and she just looked at us. Like, she looked at us and, and she's, she's like, like, what is going on? I was like, heck? I wish I could stop, but Elizabeth won't stop. So I can't stop. And if I can't stop, Liz won't stop. It's like, again, feed forward loop it's crazy and that's why i connected to like finish each other's sentences in a way because similar to how when you finish each other's sentences you like pass the baton on when it comes to the thought or idea think of it as a baton it's like a baton of laughing that cannot be stopped and it's literally a continuous relay race for life a relay race for fun life always we are track stars sure (laughs) sure okay so anyway, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on our twin telepathy episode. I hope you learned that telepathy is really whatever the twins make of it. Exactly. And that maybe the next time you're ever with us and you notice that we act freakishly similar or we know what the other person is doing. It's just or, because or we look at each other and we we do this little eye movement and you're confused. Yeah. Just understand that it's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. There's method behind this madness. It it, it all happens because that's how our life kind of made it happen to be and it's our twin language our twin language exactly we have this twin language and i hope you guys kind of got a glimpse into this twin language and And i I would say i would invite you into using this twin language but i yeah we couldn't even teach it to you guys there's no way anyone could become fluent besides us yeah no no okay well anyway thank you so much for watching twins Twins Tonight. tonight we'll see you next time